I'd like for you to turn to the book of Acts, the tenth chapter, please. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the poor, to the people, and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked up on him, he was afraid, and he said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the house to, house to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they read, made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him, and he had, and it had been a, as it had been a great sheet net at the four corners, and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thy, that common, thy common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, Behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry of Simon's, at Simon's house, uh, st uh, stood before uh, the gate, and called and asked whether Simon, was, whose surname was Peter, were lodged there. And Peter thought on the vision, while he thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause whereof ye come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that fears God, and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. 
And on the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as ye talked with him, uh, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were to come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is of a Jew to keep company or come unto the one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, or that means questioning. As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore for what intent ye have sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in, in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter, he is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of all, that word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we're witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. God, him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto the witnesses, chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which is ordained of God or appointed of God to be the judge of the living, or as the King James says, the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth on him shall receive remission of sins. And when Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit, fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that's the Jews, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles, on the Gentiles also, was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water, that these should be baptized, which have received the Holy Spirit, as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Now the focus of the sermon this morning is about the Gentiles being saved and coming in with the Jews. But more is to get us to understand how that God has, has conditioned his people. He's taught them for years and years to be tolerant toward each other and to all nations, and that his love would be focused on each person who would have faith and trust in him. This wasn't something that just happened 10 years after the church was established on the day of Pentecost without any other support and teaching. It had been planned for ages. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah, uh, the 61st chapter. Uh, and this is a, this is a, is a book that speaks of the Gentiles being saved and God reaching out to them. This is a thousand years probably before Christ came to the earth, more or less, when Isaiah was writing. It was in the days of the captivity in, uh, in, in, in Babylon. Part of it was. Part of it happened before that. But this is the message that he's speaking when he, he has reared up nations such as Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus, and Darius to take the people of God who had forgotten him and to hold them captive for 70 years and to bring them back to Jerusalem and to wait for the time he had sent his own son in the flesh. But while he's out there, he speaks and he guides these rulers that are not his people, but he's teaching his people that they should depend upon him and that he rules the world. Now, look at Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. This is the sermon text that Jesus uses in Luke, the fourth chapter. This is the first sermon that we have recorded. Now, he had preached before this in Galilee, but his sermon that we have recorded that he began to speak and to teach is Luke, the fourth chapter. It's when he comes to Nazareth, his own city, and speaks. This is the quotation he uses, Isaiah 61. When they handed him the Bible, they handed him the robe. He came in as his custom was. And he was the one that the uh, one who takes over and directs the services in the synagogue gave him the book and asked him to read. And no doubt it was his custom to do these things and to meet on the Sabbath day and to keep this. This is what he wrote. The Spirit, or said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, that's in Jerusalem, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And as we look at the 62nd chapter while we're there, in the first verse, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until the righteousness therefore go forth as brightness, and the salvation therefore as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles, thousand years before Christ comes, and the Gentiles shall see my righteousness, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name. That's shortly after Carnelius was converted. They were called Christians first at Antioch, and Antioch was the 300 miles from Jerusalem. It was out where the Gentiles were. Antioch was a Gentile city, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. That happened. That wasn't the only time when he spoke to Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah was a Jew. He asked him to go speak to a Gentile city, Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to do it. He got on the boat and went in a different direction. You remember the story of how that in the book of Jonah is that God caused a storm to be so great that the men questioned him and what his purpose was. And when he, uh, they found out that he was not obeying the Lord, and he admitted that he was the cause of the storm and the rage and the boisterous waves that were then tossing the boat, they decided, after pleading with him and even pleading with God not to hold it against them, but they cast him into the sea where the big fish was prepared to take him ashore so that he could go do his work, and that is preach to the Gentiles. Now, if you can understand what has happened in the history of humanity is there's always been a lot of difficulty in man accepting all of God's creation as subjects of his love and his mercy and his grace and his grace. Now Jonah decided that he wouldn't do it, but he did when God asked him to do it. But he had his mind made up of God's mercy and God's grace. And he said, I know what'll happen if I preach to them, then I know what'll happen. You'll save them. You won't punish them. And sure enough God didn't. God saved their lives. And Jonah was swelled up and pouting because uh, that uh, God did. And he told him, he said, you know, here's a little old gourd vine that I reared up for you, raised up, to give you a shade, and you were so happy for that. And yet here's a city that has all these people. And it has 120,000 in, in it, 
And then it has cattle and it has livestock. And besides all of those that we've saved, and you don't think about that. You just think about yourself. Now, when we see that, we see the selfishness that it was in Jonah. And we can also identify with the selfishness that is in us today. When we see the world lost, and we see that we have the message of salvation and the gospel of Christ, and, and we, we don't want to do anything about it. Now, we can look at Jonah, and we can look at the message there, and we can see that God taught us a long time ago by Isaiah that he wanted the Gentiles saved. But he said it would happen, and it is happening. It happened when we read about Cornelius. We see the message of Jonah is that a hundred years was extended for Nineveh. And God's grace and mercy, even before he came with his son and gave us salvation as we have it today. But a great lesson is learned here as we look back to this uh, incident of this captain, this man who was in the army and he was over a hundred people and and he was a good man and he did a lot for the Jewish people he gave alms and when he received mercy and grace from God about ten years after the church was established in Jerusalem we see it happening again to the Gentiles same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost same message is preached. The same preacher is preaching. And the same preacher has to be taught that he's got to do away with his prejudiceness and his racism. And it took a miracle three times to do it. And yet today we're not rid of it. We sometimes get in, a, in slothfulness and indifference have no interest in people who are lost, have no interest in teaching people who do not know the truth. And we need to understand that God has done so much. Jesus, his first sermon that he ever preached in Nazareth, in Luke, the fourth chapter, I want you to turn to that because this is a repetition of that Isaiah prophecy. And Jesus saw fit to use it, the first sermon that he ever preached. And the Jews were so prejudiced till they wanted to kill him for mentioning the Gentiles in this sermon. I want you to look. We didn't read it over in the book of Isaiah because it wasn't there. But here in the, in the look at the 16th verse of the fourth chapter of Luke. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the regions round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. I told you he had a lot of success before he came. But this is a sermon that we have and had it recorded by Luke. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he turned to the 61st chapter. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear witness of him, and wondered at the gracious words which were proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye surely will say unto this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, no doubt he had done miracles up there, do also here in this country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you the truth, and here's where he mentions the Gentile, that many with us were in Jerusalem, in Israel, in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but none, but none, but a Gentile, none of them was Elijah sent, save to Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow, and more than the widows being suffering in Israel, but only one Gentile was helped, there were many lepers. There were many lepers in Israel. Now why didn't the widows receive help? And why didn't the lepers receive help in Israel? No faith. In the time of Elisha, that's the prophet after Elijah. And none of them was cleansed, save Naaman and the Syrian. Now those were fighting words, because he's mentioning Gentiles. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with madness, wrath. They rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him into the brow of the hill, whereon the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way and came to Capernaum in Galilee. Now, let's turn back to Luke in our closing remarks. I mean, turn back to Acts, the 10th chapter. In this chapter, happening 10 years after the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached his first sermon to the Gentiles. But you know, it's taken... It has taken a lot of time to condition people, and God takes his time to condition people to reach out to people that he loves and wants saved. Now, where are we in this teaching this morning? Could we be considered Israel? Could we be considered Jews being saved? Could we be considered people satisfied with our own status? 
Could we identify with those people that got angry because he says, go out and teach other people? That's an open-ended question. You can answer it by saying, that's a great lesson there. It took them ten years to open their mind to the prophecies in the Old Testament, what to do to be saved. It took God's patience and care and tenderness toward the Jews and their egotism and their own self-righteousness before he could break through and get them to go out and, and to help people. Am I so tied up in my own traditional thinking, in my own traditional warped, worshipful ways, that I can find the teaching of Jesus just to the four corners of this building? We need to reach out. And let me explain to you that in this great chapter, there's no changes on what a person to do to be saved in regard to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. Now let's look at the last part of this, uh, this uh, chapter 10. And when he got there, he preached just like he did on the day of Pentecost. Look at the 34th verse. He opened his mouth. He preached the same sermon that he preached on Pentecost, uh, on the day of Pentecost. God is, but, but he added this to it. He said, God is no respecter of persons. They have Pentecost. He said, the promise is unto you and to your children and to many as the Lord our God shall call. He didn't understand that passage. But now he is. And he let that sheet down from heaven three times and he didn't know he was confused. But when Cornelius came and he said, I'm a man that my prayers have been answered. They've heard me. I have gathered all my relatives together here to hear what is commanded to thee of God. And he said, I perceive that God is no respecter of person, but in every nation he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. We need to see the lost and the dying that haven't done. Well, what did he do? Let's look at those words. Look at 36. The word which God sent unto the Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That's what they did on the day of Pentecost. That word I say ye know, which was published. Jesus preached it throughout Judea and Galilee. And it was after John's preaching. He did it. How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. This is, John, this is Isaiah 61 fulfilled. I, I, Isaiah 61. This is what he did. God was with him. We are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Now God raised him up. Here's the force of this to this Gentile and it's the force of the message to every person in every nation the third day and showed him opening. Now to all the people, not to all the people, but he just did it to a few, the apostles, and they're the ones that's preaching this. Look at number 42. And he commanded us to preach unto the people. 
All we need to do is preach to people. But I said, I want to be saved. What do I need to do to be saved? You just need to hear Jesus preach that he's alive. He's waiting for you to let him in your heart. He's here. He only comes in there into that heart by faith. And that's the way he did those on the day of Pentecost. And to testify that he is, he, it is he which ordained of God to be the judge of the living and the dead. He's the one we're all going to go to the, our life is going to be snatched away from us, whether we're young or whether we're old. We all have that to face. The only bypass we have of that is to get in the only one that's ever been raised from the dead, and his body is fresh, it lives, it's here, we're part of it. Our bodies will decay. It'll go back to dust. But our spirit, when it gets into Jesus, is born again. It lives forever. And how did he live? Well, listen. Look at the 43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him. Is that just belief only? Shall have remission said, he didn't put that only there. On the day of Pentecost, he said, you've been sinners. You have taken and wicked hands have crucified the Lord of glory. He said, repent, change your ways. And he was speaking by the Holy Spirit. And while he was speaking to this man, the same sermon, the Holy Spirit fell on those people. Well, it was the Holy Spirit then. That wasn't just belief, it was the Holy Spirit that fell on them forgiven. No, it didn't either. How do you know? Because that was just the way of letting the six Jews that came with him, you don't interfere. You know, we interfere with our beliefs and our, our whims and our fancies and our tradition. We, over, we interfere with what God wants. But he said, God has spoken unto them, and they're speaking, and, it's, and he's poured out the same gift on us as he did on us at the beginning. Well, what are you going to do about it? Well, look what he said. He said, all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him should have remission of sin. But what, what do you do next? What do you do next? Well, look at the verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, oh, you're saved. You've got the Holy Spirit. Uh, you don't have to do anything else. He didn't say that. Not the speaker that spoke to the, Gent the Jews on the day of Pentecost. He just said, can any man, I want to know, can any man forbid water? You six Jews that are with me, can you forbid water that these should be baptized? Why do you want to be baptized? Why in Acts, the second chapter, he said, you repent and you be baptized for the remission of your sins. He's not going to convert, contradict himself. But whosoever believeth shall receive remission of sins is what he said here in the verse here just above that. That's true. But their belief unless it's found in action, will not be believed. And he said, Can any man forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? And he commanded them. Look, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and that's exactly what he commanded them on the day of Pentecost to be baptized in the name of the Lord. What is it for, Peter? For the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, is that something different than what they've already seen? Yes, it is. It's the indwelling of the Christ who lives forever, enters our life. He and the Spirit and the Father are synonymous. They're equal. They're three. But they entered into him. And in Acts 5.32, he says he gives his Holy Spirit to all them that obey him. 
Now that's the obedience of the gospel. And that's what they did. And that's what they, and this is what we need to do to, and help other people. You know, it isn't complicated. Somebody says, you know, I, I've got to have you to do. I, I just need to be sure. Yes, you do need to be sure. But what do you need to know? It wasn't complicated in the day of Pentecost. They just needed to know that they had refused Christ, but they needed to accept him. And that he was raised at the right hand of God and that he wanted in the heart and life of every person that would let him come. And that you need to believe and repent and be baptized. And he puts you in Christ. And when you're in Christ, you live holy because you have his spirit to help you. You have his presence to help you. He said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. The gospel is for the Gentile world. There was a lot in the Bible about it. And it took 10 years for them to accept it. And they had, even the 15th chapter of the book of Acts, they had to come together and iron that thing out because they had done what God had planned for the Gentiles. It was dividing the church because they had let those Gentiles come in. And the Holy Spirit just takes Paul, Barnabas, James, and Peter, and they just all testify. They say, listen, look at these scriptures here. No, no, no. No, they're to be saved just like we are, and you don't even require them to be circumcised. And they iron that thing out. And today we need to take the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The question is, have you been baptized for remission of sins? Have you been baptized because you have faith in Christ? Have you been baptized to get into Christ, Galatians 3, 26, 27? To put him on so he can live forever and ever? This is your invitation as we stand together and sing.